In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. The Church on this day is still in the joy of the recent resurrection of our beloved Savior. And yet, see today how one of the Church's pillars, one of its founders, one of its most solid columns, has just been shaken. Thomas, one of the Twelve, who was absent during the visits of our resurrected Lord, a week before, is now doubting the truth of the resurrection. Worse than that, he even seems to doubt our Lord's own words about his resurrection. All the signs, all of the words, the prophecies of the Old Testament and Christ's own teaching seem to have been forgotten in the privileged upper room. Although already in the upper room, Jesus gave Thomas a lesson, remember, Thomas said to him, But Lord, we do not know where thou art going. How are we to know the way there? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. Nobody can come to, to the Father except through me. If you had learned to recognize me, you would have learned to recognize my Father too. Hear his terrible words, may be disturbing, Listen carefully, and certainly presumptuous words of Thomas, except I shall see in his hands the print of the nail, and put my finger into the place of the nail, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Thomas asked for a double proof from God, proof by sight and proof by touch. And God consents to the incredulity of his beloved apostle, Chosen among thousands, far from blaming him, he shows himself to him. He offers his divine woods to be touched. What great proof of mercy. Put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Despite his lack of faith, Christ remains merciful and accepts that Thomas approaches his finger to his open side. Indeed, he never refuses his grace. But he only asks from us an attitude of sincere humility, an ardent love for such a tremendous mystery, mystery of his death and resurrection. But St. Augustine, the great St. Augustine, goes further and adds this commentary, he says, Christ could have removed all traces of his wounds from his risen and glorified body, but he had reasons for retaining them. First, to show them to Thomas, who would not believe unless he touched and saw. Again, he will use them to rebuke unbelievers and sinners at the judgment. He will not say to them, as he did to Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed, but rather to convict them. Behold the man you have crucified, the wounds you have inflicted. Look at the side you have pierced. It was open for your sake, and you refused to enter. Pax Vobis, he says on entering into the upper room. He asked, all of us to welcome his presence with a heart and spirit 
in peace, free from all preoccupations, interior preoccupation and exterior preoccupation and worries. An attitude that belongs par excellence to prayer. And we talked last week about this attitude of prayers in our sermons. Prayer and peace that derive from our conformity to God's holy will. But in a way altogether wonderful and incomprehensible, our Redeemer, after his resurrection, revealed himself in a body at once palpable and incorruptible, says Pope St. Gregory. He revealed himself in an incorruptible body that we might learn to seek a like glorification, and in a palpable body for the strengthening of our faith." End of quote. Isn't this the solution of our lack of faith? You who seek union with my sacred heart seems to declare our Lord to every one of us. Look at my sacrifice on the cross. Contemplate my sacred wounds. Admire the testimony of my death and all that should suffice to fill your heart, your in intelligence, your soul with faith, hope, and true love. My heart is touched by anyone who humbly recognizes his own poverty and comes to me to receive all the graces that he needs. St. John Chrysostom tells us, For you, dear brethren, seeing this unbelieving disciple, think of the mercy of the Lord, of the kindness with which, in the interest of a single soul, he displays the wounds that he had received, and comes to help one of the disciples whose spirit was ruder, ruder than the other disciples. End of quote. Thomas's infidelity helped us, as it helped the newly baptized, to realize that faith is, before all, a gift from God, infused in our soul, and that easily our eyes can become blind and unable to recognize that, to recognize His presence, either because of grave sin, of course, that puts kind of a veil in between us and the divine, the divinity, or simply our lack of trust, or even because of too much pride and self-centeredness. These are written so that you may believe, says St. John. But let us now take a look at the other side of the coin. As soon as he sees and he touches the sacred wounds, he believed and made a clear act of faith. My Lord and my God. How many other disciples have called Christ my God? I think none. St. Peter believed it, of course, but he expressed it in a different way, saying, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. More than an act of faith in the presence of Christ, men, my Lord, his Master, he acknowledges his divinity, Christ God, my God. He now sees the unseen. He sees and touches the divinity itself with the hands 
the eyes of his soul. Let us finally ask today the great St. Thomas the grace to see as he saw, to touch as he touched, to understand as he understood God's plan for our salvation, the salvation of each and every one of us, even in this difficult time. Every difficulty, in every difficulty, in every joy, in every struggle, or every contentment that continues in our daily lives. Let us keep this act of faith. And let us proclaim with Thomas in a word in a world full of skepticism, of doubt, in these times of great confusion. Let us proclaim that Christ is our Lord and God, and that Him and only Him can re-establish in our world the kinship of truth and charity. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.